Hi, and welcome to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast, the show where we talk about movies and, well, more movies. I'm D-Man, and I'm joined by no one. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I guess it is just me. Maybe fortunately, we'll see how this episode goes. I am doing a solo episode because CP is dealing with some personal matters, and he'll be back next week. But in his absence, I am going to try to hold down the fort myself. Now, I have a few things that I really want to talk about, and I, I am excited. I mean, one of the first things I always do on this podcast is uh, throw it over to CP and see how he's doing. So today, I'm going to throw it over to myself. D-Man, how are you doing? <laughs> Glad I make myself laugh. Um, <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, actually. Uh, health is really good. The weather out here is starting to warm up in Southern California. The Lakers are in the playoffs. And we have some really exciting movie news for you guys. So excited to talk about all that. But before we jump into all that, as always, we'll start off the show this week with some shout-outs. So I'm going to read some of those right now, so I will be looking down a little bit, but bear with me. So first up, our shout-out goes to at JeffH246 from Instagram, who said, Was a fan of Charlie Day playing Luigi in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Overall, thought Mario Brothers was a fun movie with a lot of Easter eggs to discover. Which, that's what I've heard. A lot of positive feedback about this movie. Even some of my coworkers said that they took their kids to see it. Everybody really enjoyed it. So it sounds like Super Mario Brothers movie is a winner. Now, he goes on to uh, join our list of top video game movies. So really appreciate that. Starting with number five, Mortal Kombat 2021. So... <laughs> Not the 90s Mortal Kombat that I think uh, CP and I were raving on about last episode. So he's going Mortal Kombat 2021. That is a, uh, that's a pick. So I'm interested. Maybe we'll get a little bit more commentary on what was so great about Mortal Kombat 2021. Number four, Tomb Raider. Great pick. Number three, Dead or Alive. Also really good pick. Number two, Warcraft which I haven't seen, although I have heard some good things, some bad things, and I don't know, I'd be curious to get into a more in-depth conversation about Warcraft. Maybe we'll do a total rewind on it or something, take a look at it. And then number one, Mortal Kombat 1995. Jeff, totally redeemed. So, well, that that is a great list. I love it, and thank you so much for uh, submitting. Also, I, I ended up uh, me personally responded to you, Jeff, on Instagram and just asked you, after having seen the Super Mario Brothers movie, would that adjust your top five? And you did respond, which, again, really appreciate. This is great. I think I'd bump it to number three and push everything else back one. So that would officially knock Mortal Kombat 2021 out of the top five. Just saying. Jeff, thank you so much. We always appreciate the comments and so glad that you're enjoying the show. That's awesome. Uh, I did want to give a shout out to Melissa, who actually mentioned that she was really excited about the rumors surrounding a potentially new Harry Potter series dropping on HBO Max. So we're going to get into that in a little bit, but I was just happy, Melissa, that you actually uh, saw some of our content on social media and you were very excited about you know some of the stuff we were talking about, particularly Harry Potter. So once we get into that, hopefully uh, you'll be even more excited. Next up is at the real James Holden said, okay, confused on this episode of the podcast at NDCal5 CP said the most he ever went to the movies was eight times for Top Gun Maverick. But didn't he in an earlier episode say the most he went was 10 times to the Dark Knight? What gives? Now, first of all, 
amazing catch. I, I can't always remember myself exactly what I've said on these podcasts because I personally should have caught that and called out CP on air. So I apologize. I did not catch that either. And thank you because <laughs> I love to be fact-checked, especially when we're wrong because unfortunately we don't always get it right. And in this case, at the real James Holden, you are absolutely correct. CP responded and he said, I am just dumb. The Dark Knight was tops. So he did go see that 10 times and that officially makes CP a liar. Now he's not here to defend himself. So we're just going to leave it at that. CP equals liar. No, I'm just playing. So CP, can't wait to have you back. Hopefully, maybe we'll even have you defend that comment. So, Or, I mean, it was The Dark Knight, so I don't know if it needs any defense. That movie's totally worth seeing in the theaters 10 times. Next up on our shoutouts list is at David K. Grayson. Said, dude, you're dead on. Financing, how to network properly. Hell, there should be an entire class about following through on finishing films. So this is in reference to the segment we did, I think, two episodes back or a few episodes back regarding film school. And CP definitely kind of dove in at the end about what he would have loved to have seen in film school regarding film financing, film networking, and a few of, you know, just the uh, kind of back-end things that aren't really taught, right? We're taught film theory, how to, you know, uh, angle a camera, set up lighting, all of those practical things, but some of the back-end things. So at David K. Grayson, thank you so much for uh, checking out the videos and replying. And that generally was the consensus. I know we read some of those comments on last week's episode, but people did feel that that is a really good point is that, you know, film schools, while some of them probably do, obviously I haven't attended them all, some of them probably do, but a lot of film programs would benefit from adding those elements into their curriculum. So that would be really great to see. And uh, I, I'm not going to go to film school again, but I mean, you know, you learn from it and hopefully uh, the programs just get better. So next up on our shoutouts is uh, at Eric Drucker one Drucker, nice to see you again. And he said, I've got lots of feelings about your podcast this week. First, government sucks, which fair. Also, they're going after WB because they saw what Disney did at DeSantis in Florida, so they don't want that smoke. You're probably right on that in the sense that obviously if you make a big ruckus, uh, it can blow up. And in the case of Disney, it did. Uh, Drucker goes on to say, too, I'd love to see a Nintendo shared universe. I'd love a Smash Bros. film. Agreed. I, I don't know exactly how they could get us there. I've seen some roadmaps on social media. I've seen people kind of planning it out. And I do agree that I think that would be really fun. I just don't want Nintendo to do it for, you know, kind of nostalgia or, uh, you know, video game fans' sake. I would really hope that they have a powerful movie with, you know, all their great characters lined up so that when we finally get to that Super Smash Brothers movie, it really hits. And Drucker goes on to say, also, I agree about the Spider-Man ride was not worth the wait. And I believe he's referring to the Spider-Man ride we discussed at uh, uh, Disneyland California Adventure, which is the newer one. And I had only heard rumors, but Drucker, you're confirming what I've heard. And, and I've heard, especially because it's a new ride, there's an extra long wait. It might be a fun ride if you could just kind of walk on or maybe 10 minutes no biggie. You have a good time. But when you got to wait like two hours and then you get on and you're like, hmm, I feel you. And I also feel this. The Star Wars rides are way better. That's just a fact. I mean, Rise of the Resistance, I've said it a few times now on this show. Absolutely amazing. And Star Tours, a classic from, I believe, the 90s. But just 
just a, a staple of you know the Disney theme parks. So, Drucker, you go on to finish with your top five video game movies. Number five, Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. Great pick. I actually really like that, and I don't even know if we actually brought that up. I did bring up Final Fantasy Spirits Within, which was kind of my swing and a miss. And I think, honestly, I mean, that Final Fantasy VII Advent Children is probably objectively a better movie. I just picked Spirits Within because of my film-going experience with it. Number four, Warcraft, as we mentioned above, with uh, Jeff H246. Uh, that's a good pick. I like that. And number three, Mortal Kombat, which I am I can only assume you mean the 90s version. So, uh, oh, just kidding. Uh, you said Mortal Kombat 2, which is the 90s version, and you said, I'm sure I lost CP here, which you are correct. I love the movie. It's like one of those bad movies that I can definitely watch. But I mean, again, just looking at it and and putting it at number three on your best video games movies list, it's a little high. Number two, Doom. And I believe that's the version with uh, The Rock. I think it was The Rock. Or, yeah, I think it was. And that was pretty cool. I think at the time, you know, they introduced some real first person you know, FPS versions in filmmaking that was kind of cool. It was fun. I liked it. I, again, I don't know if I'd put it at two, but I definitely had fun. It was very much like the video game. And to me, that's what the fans came for. So they really kind of gave people what they wanted. And number one, Silent Hill. And Drucker said, this movie is so good. So that's actually one I haven't seen. So I can't confirm, and I'm going to trust you here, Drucker, that Silent Hill is awesome. Anybody else, if you would like to confirm, let me know love to hear it. And for our final shout out, I would just like to give a big happy birthday shout out to Sean Gaston and the twins. So I hope you have a fantastic birthday and a fantastic uh, birthday week, month. Is month too long? We'll leave it there. So that does it for our shout outs this week. And let's go ahead and uh, dive into our topics. So first up, if you follow me or Filmmakers Compass at Film Comp Podcast, on social media, you probably saw that I took a photo of myself and shared it on our our stories feed where uh, I, I was watching the new release called Tetris on Apple TV+. So I wanted to talk about that for a second, and I'm not really going to get into spoilers per se. I just wanted to kind of give my opinion on the movie, which I thought actually was uh, really good. It was very entertaining. So... The first thing is, I thought it was it was very well acted. So everybody kind of pulled their weight. I thought it was a solid performance from almost everybody, especially the guy playing Alexi. I liked his character a lot, and I read up about him after, and a lot of what is in the movie is true, even though I'm sure it's sensationalized to a certain degree. I thought the movie had a real kind of professional finish, great score, and they had some kind of cool effects where, you know, occasionally cars might run into each other and then it kind of pixelates and, and turns into like Tetris blocks and like it was I don't know that that was pretty cool it was pretty fun but one of the things I wanted to acknowledge was the pacing this movie is like lightning fast it's crazy how fast it moves and I think it benefits the movie because of how kind of in a way boring the subject matter is it's a the movie is literally built around the concept of who owns the rights to Tetris so that our main character, the protagonist, can secure those rights for an American release with the Game Boy. 
And so it's really just a movie about people trying to secure rights. And the filmmakers do a good job here with the pacing to not only keep this interesting, but kind of take somewhat boring subject matter, you know, sitting around a boardroom table, just kind of talking stuff out and making it, you know, uh, really interesting. They're raising the stakes. They're constantly throwing swerves at you so that, you know, you're always a little bit on your toes. And what was really cool about this too is obviously I'm crediting the filmmakers here, but this is based on a true story. And what blew my mind is when I went and looked up whether or not all of this was true after the fact, it ends up that a lot of it was true. So a lot of those swerves, a lot of those things did happen. Although uh, what I'm getting at though for the pacing of the film is that this all takes place over like a couple days. I don't know if that's how that all actually played out. That was done, I think, for the movie. But it works really well to the film's benefit because it just feels like they're always adding, you know, new obstacles, greater stakes, and constantly kind of switching things on the viewer. So we kind of, I mean, we know where it goes because, you know, if you grew up in the 80s or the 90s, I mean, I had a Game Boy. I remember having Tetris. I mean, I know the outcome here, but I found the movie to be very entertaining. So I really enjoyed it, and I would actually recommend it. If you have Apple TV+, Plus, I'd recommend giving it giving it a shot. Check it out, and uh, you guys let me know what you think. Because, you know, like I said at the top of this show, I'm not always right. <laughs> Wrong. I am always right. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, next up, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the announcements that came out of Star Wars Celebration out of London as well as the uh, HBO Max or Max Discovery event. So we got a lot of new announcements about new content, which is very exciting, especially for me because Star Wars Celebration is all Star Wars content. You know, this isn't Disney announcing one Star, Mar Star Wars project amidst, you know, Marvel and Disney animation and live action and all this stuff. No, it's all Star Wars, which, I mean, you guys can tell here, you know, Star Wars, right? So there was actually quite a few things that they announced. The first being that they are going, they now have a feature film plan for the future of Star Wars. And they officially announced three new films in that lineup. So the first one being a film that essentially follows the first Force user, maybe the first Jedi, we don't know. We'll probably find all that out. The second film is a kind of conclusion Avengers Endgame, uh, you know, mashup style uh, to the Mandoverse. So this would bring everything from the Mandalorian. I think obviously this kind of draws in elements of Rebels. It would bring the Book of Boba Fett as well as the new show coming out in August, Ahsoka. And I think it would tie up all the major loose ends in those series. So, and that's interesting. I'm not sure. I mean, it's kind of cool that they're going to switch it to a movie. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. And then the third and final film is a continuation off of the sequel trilogy, which will again follow Rey as she attempts to build a new Jedi Order. So first of all, let's talk about the first movie. Now, I want to read a quote because it looks like uh, this movie is going to be directed by James Mangold. And he's directed things such as Logan. Uh, he's doing the upcoming Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And basically, this this takes place 
a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But let me read a quote from Mangold himself where he kind of describes his vision for the movie. He says, I wanted to make a kind of Bible movie, a kind of Ten Commandments of Star Wars, kind of a Cecil B. DeMille film about the arrival of the Force. It's a movie that both connects to the worlds we know, but is also far enough away from it that I think there's a lot of opportunities to tell a story freely, also, and not be so incredibly tied in the knots and different story strands that are already in place. Now, my official hesitation with this movie upon the announcement was that, hey, does this connect in any way to any larger Star Wars story? Now, I don't think any movies that come out need to connect to the larger Star Wars universe necessarily. When I say that, what I'm referencing is, is this another a Star Wars story movie. Now, we saw Rogue One and Solo as examples of those from the previous Disney theatrical releases. Well, Solo didn't do very well, and my understanding was that Disney wanted to abandon the A Star Wars Story solo film (laughs) concepts and get away from those kind of one-off films. And yet, here they are sort of doing it again. And that was a little interesting to me because of all of the news we've heard around, you know, how Solo is the, you know, lowest grossing Star Wars movie and all all that stuff. So I was surprised to hear that. But based on this quote, I'm very, very excited because one of the things this does is it allows the storytellers to tell a complete story. They can kill off characters. They can change things. They can alter stuff without uh, affecting the rest of the Star Wars universe. And I think that's been a problem for Star Wars, particularly, right, the sequel trilogy is building off of, you know, the original trilogy, but by incorporating Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, R2, 3PO, all of the characters, we kind of have these story threads that connect us. They didn't just create a new trilogy that, you know, doesn't necessarily tie into everything. The Mandoverse takes place between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. So only so much can happen. And then, of course, if you go back and look at Star Wars as the prequel trilogy, we all knew, right, when we watched the prequel trilogy that, you know, Anakin, Darth Vader, Emperor Palpatine, Obi-Wan, they all live. You know, R2 and 3PO will make it to the end. We know that, uh, you know, most likely Luke and Leia will be born. And so with the prequel trilogy, there was a lot of stuff that, like, right, the stakes are always... They're emotional, and I thought the prequel trilogy ended up great, but, you know, we do know that when Anakin and Obi-Wan are fighting, that neither one of them will, in fact, die. And that has plagued even the Obi-Wan series on Disney+, Plus, where, obviously, that, again, is, is rehashing that kind of Anakin versus Obi-Wan, Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan battle between the two trilogies. And I think, me personally, that hindered the series, because... Part of me was like, why did they actually make this when Obi-Wan sort of ends up in the same place that he was before? Physically, he's in the same place. Mentally, he's in a better place. But I don't know that any of us were thinking that he was in an awful place mentally that we needed a series. So uh, was it worth it? Maybe. I enjoyed uh, parts of it, and I thought it it was good, but not the best. So in this case, with this new movie, it looks like they're trying to free up the storytelling. And what I would be interested in is, depending on how successful and how awesome this movie is in the Star Wars universe, they can actually build an entire story out of this kind of place in the timeline. And it won't affect anything. And I think that's great. 
So of the three movies, this is actually probably the one I'm most excited about. I think it just offers the most potential and the most opportunity for some new storytelling in the Star Wars universe. And since Disney's purchased Star Wars, that's really something I've been looking for, is can we get some you know new stories, new characters, and not always have it tie in to the original trilogy. So the second movie is the Mandoverse movie. So this is the one that's supposed to tie up all the loose ends from the Disney Plus series in that time period. Now, this is interesting because I'm getting, you know, Avengers Endgame vibes, right? Like, they're going to do a big, you know, mashup movie. You know, we mentioned Super Smash Brothers earlier. And while I think that would be really cool, it's interesting because, you know, these were shows. And what I'm curious about is to what degree can they take a two-hour film to wrap up all these loose threads from a television show? Now, we've heard of this before i think peaky blinders was thinking of doing something similar where they were talking about creating a feature film in that world after the conclusion of the final season and that would truly wrap up the series and that world but we haven't seen it yet and i'm curious how this would work we've seen a couple examples i think even last week we were talking video game movies we talked about you know pokemon the movie which you know obviously that was based off the game and then the show and then the movie so we've seen a little bit of this, but you know, I would really be curious how they are going to set everything up to pay out in a two-hour film. Because two hours compared to the length of a series just doesn't seem like enough time. And we're not even just doing this as the conclusion to, say, The Mandalorian. They're, con- they're doing the conclusion to The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, and Ahsoka. So I don't know. I'm a little skeptical on this if they'll be able to pull all this off. I think if they can pull it off, it would be incredibly epic. And as I mentioned earlier, I mean, I think they're even pulling story threads in from uh, Rebels. And I believe, let me see, Dave Filoni had a quote here where he said that this was supposed to be Inspired by the events of Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire trilogy, which if you, you know, grew up in the 90s like me, you know that those books came out and were part of, you know, really kind of kicked off the major extended universe of Star Wars, introduced Grand Admiral Thrawn and all these different things. So I love that they're taking inspiration from the that series, but at the same time, that's a, I think, at least a three-book series uh, by Timothy Zahn, although I think he's written more books than three. But, you know, even that trying to condense that into a movie while also trying to conclude all the loose ends from these series it's a big task and i'm you know just i guess a little curious to see if they're able to pull that off i hope so because so far i love the mandalorian and i really do think it's probably the best thing that disney has produced as star wars i love rogue one and force awakens was was pretty cool you know definitely a nostalgia trip but you know, The Mandalorian has really introduced some great new characters and some cool, you know, kind of cultural things for The Mandalorians. And that I all love. So I hope they can wrap it up properly. And then finally, we have the sequel movie to the sequel trilogy, which is Ray building up a Jedi Order. Obviously, I think she's going to run into probably some dark forces, you know, evil forces out there. This is a movie that 
is again completely open-ended right we no longer are bound to the the history of star wars because hopefully what happened in rise of skywalker is like that's the end of that and whatever we do going forward is you know a whole new story and we're not looking backwards so i'm sure you know for a lot of you this is upsetting because i feel like that was part of the message of the last jedi <gasps> i said the last jedi uh sorry guys but I, I think that's really what Star Wars needs going forward is like, hey, let's kind of sever ourselves from the past a little bit and move on into a new adventure, new stories, new characters. I do like the idea of bringing Rey back. Uh, she's familiar. She was actually one of the things I think people actually enjoyed about the sequel trilogy. I know I did. I thought her character was cool. I also know that Rey as a character did get a lot of criticism, particularly after The Force Awakens, of being a typical Mary Sue, which, if you don't know what that is, is essentially somebody who can just get powers and knowledge and things kind of out of nowhere, and they're just powerful for kind of no reason. This is a trope that, you know, you might see in other movies. So there were criticisms of the character of Rey, and maybe this is an opportunity not to correct those criticisms, but to build something better going forward. Because I don't think anybody was really knocking Daisy Ridley's performance. I, I genuinely enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing her back on the big screen as Rey. So hopefully they're going to be building, you know, something better going forward. And, you know, we can kind of, you know, leave the sequel trilogy where it is. And we don't need to hearken back to it or anything. You know, don't bring back Palpatine again. Let's just don't do that. And this is a movie that I think, me personally, I mentioned probably, you know, months ago on this podcast, I would have loved to have seen a threat from outside the galaxy, a really powerful threat that doesn't necessarily have access to the same powers that the people in our galaxy have. And I would like to see someone, you know, really challenge the New Republic, the galaxy, the whole thing, and, and kind of, you know, not necessarily just be another empire clone you know that would be cool so i don't know if that's what's going to happen they haven't really announced too many details from this so that's all still up in the air but star wars on the big screen very excited and that's definitely something i'm looking forward to all three films because i follow all of the shows i'm interested in a brand new take on the origins and i'd love to see where they can take it in the other direction so thought this was great but that's not all we got. So we also got the trailer for Ahsoka, which is dropping in August. And I thought it was really great. In conjunction with Mandalorian Season 3, we finally got a look at, I believe, the entire crew of the ship The Ghost from Rebels. And obviously, we know they're all going to appear. We know that the kind of main story thread in Ahsoka is that her and Sabine are looking for... Ezra and so we know that's all happening Thrawn you know definitely is going to be there and we know if you know he's uh if Dave Filoni said he's going to make an appearance in the film wrapping up all of this he's got to show up somewhere so if not in the Mandalorian it looks like it's going to be Ahsoka and I don't know this looks pretty cool so I actually you know I like Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka it doesn't seem to connect directly through this trailer with much of the Mandalorian and some of the other series that we've seen. Although we know that 
Ahsoka and Din Djarin have actually met on screen. And there's a chance that, you know, Mando or Grogu or somebody might show up in the Ahsoka series, maybe even Luke Skywalker, who knows. But I thought the series, at least in the trailer, looked uh, like it had a high production quality. It looked like it's going to be very entertaining. It's going to be interesting to see some more Jedi on the screen. We had quite a few lightsabers ignite in the trailer. And obviously, there's going to be some story threads getting concluded from the Rebels series. So to me, this looked pretty good. I thought the trailer was definitely enough to get people excited. And if you're a huge Ahsoka fan, which... I know it's crazy because I grew up in the era where like Luke Skywalker was the best, then Obi-Wan was the best, but now there's an entire generation of people where, you know, Ahsoka is probably their number one, their favorite Star Wars character. So this series is a long time coming, and I think the character itself has grown so much from the Star Wars Clone Wars movie all the way to getting her own series that I'm very excited, and I think this character has so much, you know, more potential on top of all the greatness we've already seen so looking forward to that uh there were a few other things that i'm not going to get into you know they didn't really give too much i think at celebration they announced the acolyte skeleton crew visions volume two bad batch season three tales of the jedi season two there's a young jedi adventures i mean that gives me young indiana jones vibes uh, something that did stand out though was Andor season two. I really enjoyed Andor. I think it's the highest production quality show that Disney has produced. I thought it dealt with some real adult concepts. You know, it's maybe not the most kid friendly show. And even though they kind of split the series up into three episode blocks and didn't necessarily have a, a, a you know long running narrative, they were very fascinating three episode blocks you know there's a there's a heist there's a prison escape there's um you know kind of the main story thread about liberating a town and all this stuff i thought you know andor was really well done even though i mentioned earlier you know the mandalorian is probably my favorite thing disney's produced i think andor and rogue one especially when you combine them i hope after season two and we kind of catch up to where rogue one is at that might be the best thing Disney has produced. That, from beginning of Andor 1 all the way to the end of Rogue One, could be incredible. And I'm interested to see how they kind of tie Season 1 into Rogue One, and hopefully Andor Season 2 is great. So, yeah, that's that's very exciting. Um, as far as Star Wars Celebration, I think that was most of the announcements that I wanted to talk about. Uh, but I also know that there was some big stuff announced on HBO Max and Discovery. So the first major news out of that was that uh, HBO Max will no longer be HBO Max. So I think CP alluded to this on a previous episode. It might have been last week's because we were talking about Warner Brothers Discovery. And they are changing their name to Just Max. So I found out the reasoning for this. It was actually said at the event, and what they have proclaimed is that as great as a brand HBO is, it's associated with adult content, and they didn't think that it was very family-friendly or children-friendly, and they felt that people of those age ranges or that uh, audience segment were ignoring them as a streaming platform, and they wanted to change that. So they're just rebranding. Even though HBO is still absolutely a part of Max, 
uh, they didn't want people to associate all the kind of adult content, you know, Sopranos, Sex in the City, Game of Thrones, all of that for adults with, uh, you know, that they don't offer family-friendly and, and kid-friendly content. So take that for what you will. I, Max doesn't necessarily seem like, you know, maybe the best name, but they're going with it. And if you're fortunate enough to, uh, you know, be going down the rabbit hole on social media, keep an eye out for some of the, the memes where people have essentially taken all these brand names and reduced them to, like, one-word you know, names that no longer mean anything. It's pretty funny. And I mean, I don't know, HBO Max, it's, it's tough because it Max just doesn't have like a brand. You know, it's hard to figure out what that is. But, you know, over time, if they do it well, maybe they can build it up into something. So they too had uh, quite a few announcements. There's going to be a Rick and Morty anime series. There's a few new shows. Um, it's called The Chancellor. There's Smartless docu series. They had quite a few things, Gremlins. But the two big ones that really stood out for me, they have a new Game of Thrones prequel coming out. I'm not a big Game of Thrones guy. I've never seen the series, which I know everybody's told me to see it. I haven't seen it, and I guess it's blasphemous. I get a little bit of a pass these days because I know how it ended and people now are not as hot on it as they were when they were giving me a bunch of crap. But I heard the new uh, prequel series, House of Dragon, was really good and they're going to do another prequel series. I believe uh, the author of the books is at least rumored to be involved. I know he was involved in House of the Dragon. But the two things I wanted to talk about, the first and this goes back to the shout-out at the beginning of the show to Melissa, is that we finally got confirmation that there was going to be a new Harry Potter series on Max. So they described this as a decade-long journey in which, right now, they're saying that each season will represent one of the books. So even though they're calling it a decade-long series, they are saying that essentially there will be seven seasons. But we've seen this many times, whether it's... Breaking Bad, Sopranos, um, Ozark, uh, sometimes they split seasons into two parts. So I'm guessing once we get to the larger books towards the end of the series, that's what will happen here is that we'll have like a season seven part one that'll be six episodes or eight episodes and then a season seven part two that'll be another six or eight episodes. That's just my take. That's my guess. Uh, and what they did say is that by making it a series, there is an opportunity to be a little bit more faithful to the books. So that's interesting because obviously when they made the movies, I feel like they did a pretty good job of capturing the spirit of what the books were about. John Williams nailed the score. I think the casting was absolutely a home run. Uh, and then Hogwarts. They made Hogwarts and magic uh, feel, I think, the way the books make you feel it elicits that type of emotion and maybe they weren't accurate in in every sense of the word and there's definitely some storylines from the books that get dropped that maybe might make an appearance here so that could be really cool you know i read the books and i think the books are absolutely fantastic and i'm looking forward to you know kind of a more in-depth dive into harry potter so one of the other things i noticed was they did release a 
trailer for this, although really it was just a shot of Hogwarts and then the Harry Potter logo, but something that did strike me was that they did generally keep the same aesthetic that they had in the films, meaning that Hogwarts looks like the Hogwarts that we got in the movie in this promotional video. Harry Potter, obviously that's stylized after the title text on the books, but still has that kind of 3D-esque feature to it, almost like it's floating, and that appears to be intact, as well as the music. It's the iconic Harry Potter theme that we know, which makes me think that they will be keeping and incorporating certain elements from the films that are beloved and worked really well. So I, I have a guess that the Harry Potter theme, you know, will make an appearance, which is great because John Williams, home run, knocked it out of the park. And the other thing that really struck out or uh, stuck out to me, not struck out, all these baseball references. The other thing that uh, stuck out to me was Max announced a Penguin show taking place in the Matt Reeves, the Batman universe. So in addition to announcing that they are doing the Batman 2, which I'm not going to talk too much about here because I don't think they got too into what that movie's going to be about yet. A lot of the focus was on Penguin. I thought the trailer was really good. Uh, in the Batman, we talked about this a little bit on the podcast. One of the things I think they did right was Gotham City. It was definitely a dark place, a crime-riddled town, and it was hard to trust anybody, which is kind of what I think of when I think of Gotham. So they nailed that, and I thought the Penguin was really good as a character. Not only did they incorporate elements of things like the Iceberg Lounge and his kind of cooperating with Catwoman and other villains... But they did a good job of kind of making him this crime underlord rather than just like this villain that goes up against Batman. So I thought that was a really good use of the character in the movie, and it looks like they're going to expand on that here. Now, in the trailer, I did not explicitly see Batman or Bruce Wayne, although it's very likely, whether it's in the premiere episode or teased for one of the later episodes, that Batman will indeed make an appearance. I think it would be incredibly a missed opportunity if they weren't able to somehow incorporate Batman into this series. But... I do love the character of the Penguin. I thought Colin Farrell did a great job. I actually think it's hard to tell that that's Colin Farrell. I mean, if you look close enough, I get it. But generally, I, I think, it, you know, they really, they did a good job of kind of making him very Penguin-esque. But yeah, again, he's not the Penguin we got in Batman Returns. You know, this kind of dark, gothic, black blood, you know, baby that was thrown overboard you know into a river and you know he's coming back for his rightful throne no he's actually the crime underboss that he should be and i love that so those were really the main things that were announced out of these two events i wanted to talk about them a little bit just because i had made some videos regarding these announcements and I don't know, I felt that I maybe, you know, they're only like a minute long, these reels. And I don't know if I was able to kind of explain myself as clearly as I wanted to. So I figured it's worth, you know, I got a solo episode. I'm going to talk about the things I want. And, you know, Star Wars is always at the top of that list. But some exciting news and some great content coming out soon. So pretty cool. Now, here is the last thing I'm going to talk about on this episode. And these also, uh, you know, one of them came out of Star Wars Celebration, but it's the announcement that right now, currently, 
As a celebration for the 20th anniversary, Lord of the Rings Return of the King is in theaters. So you can actually go see this right now, which is incredible. And I think I'm going to try and go, even if I have to go alone. I mean, to any of you out there, I wish you could accompany me to go watch Lord of the Rings in the theaters. But it's a to me, it's a can't miss. I just need to see these movies on the big screen one more time because I don't know when that opportunity will come again. Well, at Star Wars Celebration, they announced that for the 40th anniversary on April 28th, they are re-releasing Star Wars Return of the Jedi in theaters. And that, to me, is absolutely can't miss. I have to be there to see Return of the Jedi. Original trilogy Star Wars on the big screen is a must for me, and I will absolutely be there. So we have Return of the Jedi. Where is it? Oh, there it is. Return of the Jedi and Return of the King. And this question was posed to me by one of my friends. Shout out to uh, Anthony. He asked me, would I rather see Return of the Jedi or Return of the King in theaters? Interesting, because I had to think about this. I mean, I am a Star Wars guy through and through, but you know, Return of the King is such a spectacle. I mean, it is absolutely you know, a visual spectacle, and it would be hard for me to pass that up. And I love Return of the Jedi, but if I had to pick, yeah, I'm going Star Wars Return of the Jedi, for sure. <laughs> Hopefully I get to see both of them on the big screen, and maybe I'll give you a definitive answer on which one was better. I have seen both of these on the big screen before, Return of the Jedi with the special edition release in 97, 98, and Return of the King in 2003, I went to the Midnight Show. So absolutely incredible. One of my best theater-going experiences ever. I think I've actually told some of those stories on this podcast, which, you know, incorporate Sean, who, happy birthday, shout out. But if I had to pick, if I could only go to one, I think I would pick Return of the Jedi. So, but that's that's a hard decision, and thankfully, I don't actually have to make it. I can go see both, so win, win. But let me know, what do you guys think? Which one would you pick? And what of, of all the announcements are you most excited for? I'm curious because there were so many that it was hard really to condense it all to you know, exactly what I'm going to be able to watch. Because unfortunately, I haven't seen everything. And as much as I try to watch everything new that comes out, still haven't seen it all. So I got to work in some stuff before some of this new content comes out. And then finally, if you've seen Tetris or are thinking about seeing it, shoot me a comment. Let me know. Send me your review and let me know what you think. I really enjoyed it. And if you haven't, I do recommend it. So for my solo episode, that actually does it. That's the conclusion of the show this week. So I just wanted to uh, thank everybody for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to me talk about movies. You know, it is one of my favorite things, but I definitely prefer to have a co-host. So CP, you are missed, and I cannot wait until you are back on the podcast. I love to volley back and forth with you, and even some of our arguments. They're great. If you want to follow the podcast, you can go to filmmakerscompass.com, where we have a live feed of all of the episodes, as well as all of our social media links and channels at Film Comp Podcast. So you can follow me personally at Big Kid D-Man. And normally here, I throw the end of the show over to CP to have him take us out. So I'm going to try this on my own. But keep watching movies, and we'll see you back here next week. Thanks for watching.